Chapters twenty and twenty one of the Shepherd of the Hills. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emily Jomard. The Shepherd of the Hills by Harold Bell Wright. Chapter twenty. The Shepherd writes a letter. To purchase the sheep and the ranch in the hollow, Mr. Matthews placed a heavy mortgage not only upon the ranch land but upon the homestead as well. In the loss of his stock the woodsman would lose all he had won in years of toil from the mountain wilderness. When the total failure of the crops became a certainty, and it was clear that the country could not produce enough feed to carry his flock through the winter until the spring grass, Mr. Matthews went to the settlement, hoping to get help from the bank there where he was known. He found the little town in confusion, and the doors of the bank closed. The night before a band of men had entered the building, and, forcing the safe, had escaped to the mountains with their booty. Old Matt's interview with the bank official was brief. "'It is simply impossible, Mr. Matthews,' said the man. "'As it is, we shall do well to keep our own heads above water.' Then the mountaineer had come the long way home. As he rode slowly up the last hill, the giant form stooped with a weariness unusual, and the rugged face looked so worn and hopelessly sad that Aunt Molly, who was waiting at the gate, did not need words to tell her of his failure. The old man got stiffly down from his horse, and when he had removed saddle and bridle and had turned the animal into the lot, the two walked toward the house. But they did not enter the building. Without a word, they turned aside from the steps and followed the little path to the graves in the rude enclosure beneath the pines, where the sunshine fell only in patches here and there. That night after supper, Mr. Matthews went down into the hollow to see the shepherd. "'It's going to be mighty hard on Molly and me, a-leaving the old place up yonder,' said the big man, when he had told of his unsuccessful trip. It won't matter so much to the boy, cause he's young yet, but we've worked hard, Mr. Howitt, for that home, Molly and me has. She's up there now a-sittin' on the porch and a-livin' it all over again, like she does when there ain't no one around, with her face turned toward them pines west of the house. It's mighty nigh a-breakin' her heart just to think of leavin', but she'll hide it all from me when I go up there, thinkin' not to worry me, as if I didn't know. And it's going to be mighty hard to part with you, too, Mr. Howitt. I don't reckon you'll ever know, sir, how much you done for us. For me, most of all. The shepherd made as if to interrupt, but the big man continued. Don't you suppose we can see, sir, how you've made over the whole neighborhood? There ain't a family for ten miles that don't come to you when they're in trouble. And there's Sammy Lane a-readin' and talkin' just about the same as you do yourself, fit to hold up her end with anybody what's got education. And Jim himself's changed something wonderful. Same old Jim in lots of ways, but something more, somehow, though I can't tell it. Then there's my boy, Grant. I know right well what he'd be if it wasn't for you to show him what the best kind of a man's like. He'd a sure never knowed it from me. I don't mean as he'd a ever a been a bad man like Wash Gibbs, 
or in no account triflin' one like them Thompsons. But he couldn't never have been what he is now, through and through, if he hadn't known you. There's a heap more, too, all over the country that you've talked to a Sunday when the parson wasn't here. As for me, you... You sure been a God's blessing to me and Molly, Mr. Howitt. Again the shepherd moved uneasily, as if to protest, but his big friend made a gesture of silence. Let me say it while I got a chance, Dad. And the other bowed his head while old Matt continued. I can't tell how it is, and I don't reckon you'd understand anyway, but stay in as you have after our talk that first night you come, and living down here on this spot alone, after what you know, it's, it's just like I was a little kid, and you was a-standin' big and strong-like between me and a great blackness that was something awful. I reckon it looks foolish, me a-talkin' this way. Maybe it's because I'm gettin' old. But anyhow, I wanted you to know. The shepherd raised his head, and his face was aglow with a glad, triumphant light while his deep voice was full of meaning as he said gently, "'It has been more to me, too, than you think, Mr. Matthews. "'I ought to tell you. "'I—I I will tell you.' "'He checked himself and added, "'Some day.' "'Then he changed the topic quickly. "'Are you sure there is no one who can help you over this hard time? "'Is there no way?' The mountaineer shook his head. I've gone over it all again and again. Williams at the bank is the only man I know who had the money, and he's done for now by this robbery. You see, I can't go to strangers, Dad. I ain't got nothing left for security. But could you not sell the sheep for enough to save the homestead? Who could buy, or who would buy if they could in this country? without a bit of feed, and then look at em, they're so poor and weak now they couldn't stand the drive into the shipping place. They'd die all along the road. They're just skin and bones, Dad, ain't no butcher would pay freight on em even. Mr. Howitt sat with knitted brow, staring into the shadows. Then he said slowly, There is that old mine. If this man Dewey were only here, do you suppose? Again the mountaineer shook his head. Colonel Dewey would be a mighty old man now, Dad, even if he were livin'. Tain't likely he'll ever come back, nor tain't likely the mine will ever be found without him. I studied all that out on the way home. As he finished speaking, he rose to go and the dog, springing up, dashed out of the cabin and across the clearing toward the bluff by the corral, barking furiously. The two men looked at each other. "'A rabbit,' said Mr. Howitt, but they both knew that the well-trained shepherd-dog never tracked a rabbit, and old Matt's face was white when he mounted to ride away up the trail. Long the shepherd stood in the doorway, looking out into the night, listening to the voices of the wilderness. In his life in the hills he had found a little brightness, while in the old mountaineer's words that evening 
he had glimpsed a future happiness of which he had scarcely dared to dream. With the single exception of that one wild night, his life had been an unbroken calm. Now he was to leave it all. And for what? He seemed to hear the rush and roar of the world beyond the ridges, as one in a quiet harbor hears outside the thunder of the stormy sea. He shuddered. The gloom and mystery of it all crept into his heart. He was so alone. But it was not the wilderness that made him shudder. It was the thought of the great, mad, cruel world that raged beyond the hills. That, and something else. The dog growled again and faced threateningly toward the cliff. What is it, Brave? The only answer was an uneasy whine as the animal crouched close to the man's feet. The shepherd peered into the darkness in the direction of the ruined cabin. God, he whispered, how can I leave this place? He turned back into the house, closed and barred the door. With the manner of one making a resolution after a hard struggle, he took writing material from the top shelf of the cupboard, and, seating himself at the table, began to write. The hours slipped by, and page after page, closely written, came from the shepherd's pen, while, as he wrote, the man's face grew worn and haggard. It was as though he lifted again the burden he had learned to lay aside. At last it was finished. Placing the sheets in an envelope, he wrote the address with trembling hand. While Mr. Howitt was writing his letter at the ranch, and old Matt was tossing sleeplessly on his bed in the big log house, a horseman rode slowly down from the Compton Ridge Road. Stopping at the creek to water, he pushed on up the mountain toward the lane cabin. The horse walked with low, hung head and lagging feet. The man slouched half asleep in the saddle. It was Jim Lane. Chapter 21 God's Gold The troubled night passed. The shepherd arose to see the sky above the eastern rim of the hollow, glowing with the first soft light of a new day. Away over Compton Ridge, one last pale star hung, caught in the upper branches of a dead pine. Not a leaf of the forest stirred. In awe, the man watched the miracle of the morning, as the glowing colors touched cloud after cloud, until the whole sky was aflame and the star was gone. Again he seemed to hear, faint and far away, the roar and surge of the troubled sea. With face uplifted, he cried aloud, O God, my father, I ask thee not for the things that men deem great. I covet not wealth, nor honor, nor ease. Only peace, only that I may live free from those who do not understand, only that I may in some measure make atonement, that I may win pardon. Oh, drive me not from this haven into the world again, 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 came back from the cliff on the other side of the clearing, and as the echo died away in the silent woods, 
a bush on top of the bluff stirred in the breathless air, stirred and was still again. Somewhere up on Dewey a crow croaked hoarsely to his mate. A cow on the range bawled loudly, and the sheep in the corral chorused in answer. Re-entering the cabin, the old man quickly built a fire, then, taking the bucket, went to the spring for water. He must prepare his breakfast. Coming back with the brimming pail, he placed it on the bench and was turning to the cupboard, when he noticed on the table a small oblong package. "'Mr. Matthews must have left it last night,' he thought. "'Strange that I did not see it before.' Picking up the package, he found that it was quite heavy, and, to his amazement, saw that it was addressed to himself, in a strange, cramped printing, such letters as a child would make. He ripped open the covering and read in the same crude writing, this stuff is for you to give to the Matthewses and Jim Lane, but don't tell anyone where you got it, and don't try to find out where it come from either, or you'll wish you hadn't. You needn't be afraid, it's good money all right. The package contained gold pieces of various denominations. With a low exclamation, the shepherd let the parcel slip, and the money fell in a shining heap on the floor. He stood as in a dream, looking from the gold to the letter in his hand. Then, going to the door, he gazed long and searchingly in every direction. Nothing unusual met his eye. Turning back into the cabin again, he caught up the letter he had written, and stepped to the fireplace, an expression of relief upon his face. But with his hand outstretched toward the flames, he paused, the letter still in his grasp while the expression of relief gave way to a look of fear. "'The bank,' he muttered, "'the robbery.' The shining pieces on the floor seemed to glisten mockingly. "'No, no, no,' said the man. "'Better the other way, and yet—' He read the letter again. "'It's good money, all right. You needn't be afraid.' In his quandary— he heard a step without, and looking up saw Pete in the open door. The boy's sensitive face was aglow, as he said, "'Pete's glad this morning. Pete saw the sky. Did Dad see the sky?' Mr. Howitt nodded, then moved by a sudden impulse, pointed to the money, and said, "'Does Pete see this? It's gold, all gold.' The boy drew near with curious eyes. "'Dad doesn't know where it came from,' continued the shepherd. "'Does Pete know?' The youth gave a low laugh of delight. "'Course Pete knows. Pete went up on Dewey this morning, way up to the old signal tree, and course he took me with him. The sky was all soft and silvery, and the clouds was full, plumb full of gold, like that there.' He pointed to the yellow coins on the floor. Didn't Dad see? Some of it must have spilled out. Ah, yes, that was God's gold, said the older man softly. The lad touched his friend on the arm, and with the other hand, again pointed to the glittering heap on the floor. Pete says that there's God's gold, too, and Pete, he knows. 
The man started and looked at the boy in wonder. But why? Why should it come to me at such a time as this? He muttered. Cause you're the shepherd of Mutton Hollow, Pete says. Don't be scared, Dad. Pete knows. It's sure God's gold. The shepherd turned to the fireplace and dropped the letter he had written upon the leaping flames. End of chapters 20 and 21